0: Hello there, and welcome to Looking Over Life. I am still really enjoying being able to record in person, James. I'm afraid I'm going to be spoiled by the time we get back to Peru.
1: Yeah, this is much, much better. I can actually look at you and see what sort of uh, body language you're doing. For instance, right now, (laughs) Sean is scratching his head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and something that we have to deal with, uh, with recording many miles apart, uh, me being in Latin America is that we have a delay, sometimes 5 to 10 seconds of delay, and that makes it very difficult for us to have a flowing conversation and also can be fun to edit, but this is so much better. Yeah,
1: Sean will finish saying something, and I'll just sit there and wait because I don't know (laughs) if he's getting ready to say something again or if he's done with his statement. And so some of the editing that Sean does is simply taking out those really uncomfortable silences. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: Now, before you tell us something interesting, James, we have some important follow-up. You made a mistake.
1: I did not.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, the mistake was mine, but I'm blaming you because you're supposed to be the science and math person. But we said in the last episode that $60,000 times 12 months was $360,000, and we were wrong by... Half, I guess you could say. We were wrong? Well, this is your responsibility. Your department is math. My department is people. (laughs) Okay. All the numbers we did after that were consistently incorrect, so you can still apply the ideas we were using, but you need to go times two in order to have the correct assessments because 60,000 times 12 is 720,000. Thank you, Zach, for letting us know where we messed up. Okay, James, tell me something interesting.
1: Sean, what is the boiling point of water?
0: um in in uh, what do you call it Imperial measures it's 100 it,
1: well, yeah it is now what is the boiling point of water where you live
0: oh is it is it the same is it 100 still there or not I forget how this the this is where the imperial system is a mystery to me but it is not the same water boils at a different temperature there than here, but I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not the imperial system. It's the metric system. The imperial system is Fahrenheit, which is 212.
0: Oh, okay. So I had that backwards. Yeah. Too. So it's, it's
1: 212 at sea level. Mm-hmm. Bowling point is not a function of temperature as much as it is a function of pressure. Okay. And that's why when you, as you go up in altitude, there's less air pressing down. And so bowling point decreases. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, is because if you could look at the surface of water at a microscopic level, yeah. you would see water molecules bouncing around and some of them are going fast enough that they leap off the surface of the water and turn into water vapor, very from liquid to gas. Mm-hmm. And the more pressure you put on a thing of water, the more energy it takes for these water molecules to turn into a gas. And mm-hmm. so the you have to heat it up to a higher temperature for it to, to start boiling. And so I think at, 17,000, 18,000 feet, which is Everest Base Camp. Mm-hmm. Boiling point of water is maybe 170 or 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, that's something a like significant that. difference. Yeah, it, it gets to the point where you can barely cook some types of food mm. <laughs> because it, it can't get very hot. It's also why pressure cookers cook food so much faster because they put pressure on the water so it can get to a higher point before it starts boiling. So when you have... Your instant pot and you're running it wide open, Mm -hmm. you can get the temperature up to maybe 230 or 240 degrees Mm
2: -hmm.
1: instead of just 212 at sea level. Or in your case, I'm guessing it's probably below 200 degrees Fahrenheit. If you are in space and you take the top off of a container of water, what would happen?
0: I've never tried that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming it would vaporize, but I don't know. Yes, it would. Okay.
1: And... So just at room temperature, the water will just start vaporizing just right into the atmosphere because there's no, well, there's no atmosphere. It's a vacuum. But it'll just start boiling and just disappear into vapor. There was, I think it was a pilot, during the 1950s and 60s, when NASA was getting ready for uh, the moon program, they were Mm -hmm. doing all these, they were testing pressure suits, basically space suits, Mm -hmm. to make sure that they worked well. And what they would do is they would sometimes put a man inside of a spacesuit. put him inside of a, a chamber. Then they would take all the air out of the chamber.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: they could tell how well it worked in a vacuum. Okay. And this one particular suit got a leak in it. Okay. This sounds bad. <laughs> and so it starts leaking. Well, if you are in a vacuum, you can't breathe and you'll eventually pass out. Mm-hmm. And he passed out and they put the air back in and he survived and wasn't really injured. hmm but he recounted later that as he was passing out, he remembered the moisture in his mouth boiling.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> so that was, that was a question that was running through my mind. If one was in space and their spacesuit came off or open or whatever, would he boil or freeze first?
1: Boil. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the water would boil. But it's not like you're at... At two hundred and twelve degrees, right? It's just vaporizing. vaporizing. It's vaporized. It'll vaporize at body temperature, and I think that there's, I think it's called the Armstrong limit. I don't know if it's named after Neil Armstrong or not, Mm -hmm. but it's the it's the amount of pressure needed to keep water liquid at body temperature. You can live and and be perfectly fine at low pressure. Mm -hmm. So a lot of astronauts, they're not at one atmosphere of pressure. They're at substantially less than that, maybe half. Oh. Of of atmospheric pressure, but there's enough pressure that they're not their saliva and their tears on their eyes are not turning into vapor.
0: Okay, and that seems like it would be unpleasant.
1: <laughs> there's an experiment you can do if you have a fairly large syringe. You can take a little bit. Uh, you can stick it down in a container of usually I use lukewarm water, just mm-hmm. tap water. It doesn't even have to be that hot. You can pull a little bit of it in the syringe, then you put your finger over the end just to seal it off and pull out on the, there's a term for it. Plunger. The plunger, yes. I was going to say the handle. <laughs> wasn't right. And what will happen is the water will start bubbling and boiling inside of it. Really? Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay, you <laughs> listeners can try that and let me know if that actually works.
1: It does work. I've done it many times. <laughs> okay. One thing that always amused me, There is usually one or two students that would say, isn't it really hot? (sighs) Because they associate boiling boiling with temperature. And that's not, I mean, you do have to have a certain amount of temperature for water to boil, but it very much depends more on the pressure.
0: Okay. All right. I'm sure everyone has a large syringe at home, so you could (laughs) go ahead and give that a try. (laughs) Here's where I give you a reminder that we have, patreon page now where you can help support the podcast and get access to our patron only podcast for what it's worth for what it's worth will be a short episode we will release in between each of the main episodes the the length of the episode will likely vary a lot it'll be about a topic that we think may not fit in our lineup or be a full episode of conversation but it should still be fun to talk about we now have two episodes up for our patrons our last one was about coffee in peru if you'd like to hear that and other episodes of For What It's Worth in the Future, run on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash lookingoverlife. There should be a link in the show notes.
1: Sean, our first episode was on yearly themes, mm-hmm. and one of my yearly themes was to read my Bible more this year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here to report on that a little bit. Okay, I have been reading my Bible more than I have probably... Any other year of my life. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, I would say that it's definitely a success, and and so today I want to talk a little bit about reading our Bibles. Mm-hmm. Why do we read our Bibles? How do we read our Bibles? How often do we need to read our Bibles? Do we read our Bibles? Do we read our Bibles <laughs> at all? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully we do, and and just a few things about that that I've kind of been thinking about lately. So, just to kind of start out, I'll just ask you um, a question that's. Somewhat obvious, but why do we read our Bibles? When you
0: ask that question, the verse that jumps to my mind is the one where it has the idea that we hide God's Word in our hearts so that we would not sin against Him. And so one of the reasons that I read my Bible is so that, so that I'm maintaining a diet of, of good things and reminding myself of what God expects of me so that I don't sin And probably another reason I read my Bible is just to learn to know God. Like, who is he? What what does he want? What did he do in the past? What is he going to do in the future? Another reason I read my Bible is for, for comfort. There are some beautiful promises of God that apply to our daily lives. And life can be really difficult at times. And so I go to my Bible sometimes just to get... Encouragement or or that sort of thing, those are three reasons that
1: jump to mind. Uh, why do you read your Bible? <laughs> well, I would say that it very much is is similar to what you said, especially the whole thing of just reading God's word. I mean, they are the inspired word of God, mm-hmm. and so you read what God said to His people, and then what His Son said when He was here on this earth, and then what the apostles and others said when they were also here spreading the gospel. Mm -hmm. You you learn what what God is doing, what God is wanting for us to do. Oftentimes that's what I look at it for is what are practical applications. Mm -hmm. So when I'm reading through the Old Testament, a lot of times I will take the children of Israel and I'll put the conservative Anabaptist church. (laughs) Just kind of put that in there and Mm -hmm. say, okay, how do we maybe... Parallel the journey of the children of Israel. What are some issues they had? How does that parallel some of the issues that we have? How did God tell them to deal with those issues mm-hmm. and, and to get closer to Him? And those are kind of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to obey the teachings of Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the best way to know what the teachings of Christ are and to obey is to know what they are. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just it's it's pretty simple, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Jesus said. Well, there are a couple of different analogies, but one that comes to mind is that he is the vine and we are the branches. So thinking like a grapevine and and the branches coming off of that are supposed to bear fruit. He talks about how we need to be part of him. And if we're part of him, we will have life. And from that, there will be fruit or actions that are mm-hmm. good things. And part of that connection to the Lord Jesus comes through Bible reading because the Bible isn't just a book of history or a book of words, but it's, it's alive. It has spiritual power. In fact, that's one of the verses in the Bible, that the Word of God is, is living and uh, can divide in our lives, uh, cutting even between joints and marrow, like down to the very smallest parts of us. And so when you come to, come to the Bible, it's different from any other book where you're actually connecting with the person who spoke it which having said that that would be somewhat of an awesome experience i don't know what what do you have a favorite book i think we've talked about favorite books before um like uh lord of the rings whatever so if you would be reading that and actually have a connection (laughs) (laughs) to tolkien while you were doing that how awesome would that be (laughs) yeah
1: it would be quite fascinating yeah i really like your your picture of of the vine and the branches if we you know we don't have any power of ourselves and so we need to just like a branch gets its its nutrition its water from what it's what it's tied into mm-hmm. we have to be tied into a source of truth source of power mm-hmm. and it's it's more than just reading your bible there needs to be prayer mm-hmm. meditation time spent listening to the spirit so it's not just reading the bible it's not like if you get in your 15, 20 minutes of Bible reading per day dust off your hands and you're good to go right it takes more than that mm-hmm. and that's that's one thing that's been a bit of a struggle for me is it's very easy for me to fall into not really a chore I wouldn't say that it's a chore in that it's unpleasant mm-hmm. but it, it is very easy for it to become something that I kind of check off mm-hmm. at the end of each day did I read my Bible today I did good okay. Mm-hmm. This past year, um, in 2020, I read through the entire Bible in a year, and I used a Bible that I read one reading each day, Mm -hmm. and it was one. See, it was one portion from the Old Testament, one portion from the New Testament, and one portion from Psalms or Proverbs. Okay, it was it was really nice. I went through it, but it did turn into a little bit of oh, I've got my Bible that I need to do, and so I read through it till I'm done, and then. Move on. Mm -hmm. And it felt a little bit like it was kind of chopped up in little pieces. And there wasn't a lot of continuity or flow to where I could follow what it was saying. It felt a little bit more like just discrete bits. Yeah. So I don't know. How do you read your Bible? Is there any particular method you use, or do you just sit down and open it up to whatever?
0: This year I am reading a chronological Bible. I've done that before. It's always an interesting way to go through the Bible because as you know, you have books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so on. And some of the books, particularly in the Old Testament, are set up in a way where they are coming a bit out of order because mm-hmm. one book of history may cover many years of the the children of Israel's experiences and then the next one starts over or there's a prophet in the Minor Prophets section that actually related to the earlier history, and he doesn't show up until many books later.
1: Like Kings and Chronicles are mm-hmm. very much like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so tying, reading through it where it's chronological, then you can see how what's happening over here in this man's life, in Daniel's life, is also things are happening in another person's life at the same time, and how some of those people lived, they were contemporaries of each other, how events like the captivity or the couple of different captivities where different people were at different times can give you a, a better picture of what God was doing in the whole nation and in various people's lives. I like the chronological bible but I've read through I've read through a lot of different sorts of bibles but that's what I'm doing this year and I'm really enjoying it.
1: Now, how is it set up? Do you have a portion of one book and then you go to another book and then back to the previous one? Is it kind of chopped up like that?
0: Yeah, I'm using a program that's on an application on my phone, YouVersion Bible, and they have a number of different Bible reading programs. And so sometimes you can have three different books on the same day. And in that way, it can <laughs> it can almost be a bit boring if you're not careful because you're you're reading the same event, mm-hmm. but in from three different perspectives or in three different books. So something could happen in, say, one of the historical books like um, Kings, and then happen in one of the prophets also, and then be referenced also in Psalms maybe. Mm-hmm. And so you're reading those three different views and it's the same thing over and over. They have it to where you can get it done in, you know, maybe 15-ish minutes or so. So it's not like it's huge sections, but it, they do move through different books in the same day.
1: Yeah, there's there's a bible that I'm currently reading mostly from. I don't this year I'm not reading just from one bible. The first part of the year I was reading from an app on my tablet, then I switched to a print bible. I think it was in May or June. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of jumping around a little bit reading from different bibles, but the one that I'm currently using now it is also it's not like chronological where Well, it's kind of chronological,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but especially in the New Testament, you can really see it. Instead of the standard Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mm -hmm. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and so on and so forth, it starts out with, and I can't remember, I think it's Luke, Mm -hmm. and it goes to Acts, because Luke wrote Acts. And so the uh, the very first part of Luke, you read that, and he's speaking to Theopolis. Mm -hmm. Then you go to Acts, and the first chapter of that, he's speaking... To Theopolis again, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of like a, a narrative thread, a little bit by the same person, and then it goes into Paul's letters, but instead of following the standard way that they're organized, they are, which somewhere I read that they're organized almost more by length. Like it starts out with the longest ones and goes oh. to the shortest. Okay. <laughs> And I'm not sure if that's actually true, but that it definitely is a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, it starts out more chronologically. Mm-hmm. So you can follow like his missionary journeys and so forth a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And I found that kind of an interesting way to read because we've kind of thought, well, you know, the Bible, it's just like this. This is just how the Bible is. Right. Well, <laughs> the order of the Bible, I'm not sure when it was set, but it's not been that long ago in the grand scheme of things.
0: Well, true, but I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, uh, Jesus didn't happen that long ago either. <laughs>
1: yeah, you could say that.
0: Something you said a little bit ago was that you don't read from the same Bible, like you're reading from multiple Bibles, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought there is only one Bible. What Bibles? that? Like the King James Version. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That seems like a little bit of a loaded comment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, tell me a little bit about the Bibles that you're reading from. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you had you said the, this one is the chronological or like kind of chronological. somewhat chronological. Right. What are some others that you're using? Yeah.
1: Well, that particular one is is NIV, mm-hmm. and it's called the Books of the Bible. It's something that the publishers, I think it's Zondervan, mm-hmm. that came up with this thing called the Books of the Bible, and it's set up in this unique way. It's also a reader's Bible, which we'll maybe talk a little bit more about later. Yeah. So I read the NIV. Um, the one reading a day Bible that I did, or the one year Bible, that was also the NIV. Mm-hmm. So I read the NIV probably more than anything else. So that
0: that reading per day Bible, that was not a, that was not a, uh, program. No, it was it, actually the Bible. It was an actual the- Bible. Yeah. Oh, it
1: was a Bible that was given to me by my grandfather, about a part of two decades ago. I'm not sure I've seen a Bible like that. Okay, well I'll have to take you upstairs and show it to you. Okay. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that because you get the get the reading mm-hmm. one per day, which makes it very easy to go through the Bible in a year. But yet it's print. It's tactile. Right. I've I've read from apps quite a bit, but I don't. I don't particularly like it. The most of the times that I read from a tablet or my phone, it's usually because I'm following a certain reading program, which would be pretty clunky to do in you know, a print Bible. I'd be flipping back and forth all the time; would be a little gotcha. difficult to keep track of. Yeah. I recently bought a New King James. Mm-hmm. I've I've read from that a little bit, but I didn't have really a, a good copy that I could take to church. The copies I had were kind of tattered and not very good shape. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I do have. A number of King James Bibles. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that I read from the most is New King James and, and the NIV. I have read a little bit from the ESV, the English Standard Version, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that I read from it that much.
0: I'm curious why you use
1: several different translations. Why, why do you jump around? Some versions I feel are better for one use or another. Mm. So our particular conference uses King James and New King James. You can use New King James just in the last 10 or 15 years. You're
0: talking about like in public yeah, or. Yeah, um,
1: like over the pulpit right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason why, the one thing that's really nice about having a standard Bible is when you are reading together, it's easier to follow along. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if one person's not using the KJV and the other person's using the NIV. Sure. So that's why I use the, the New King James. Mm hmm. But the reason I use these different versions is because the King James language tends to be, I can understand it most of the time, but it takes a good bit more effort,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: find that, as I was reading through the NIV last year with, with the one-year Bible, and I found that there was particular sections of the Bible that before I, my eyes had somewhat glazed over, mm-hmm. I found that I was getting more out of it because it, it didn't take as much effort mm-hmm. to simply parse the words.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I could actually take in the content and so for my daily reading, I prefer um, I prefer something other than the King James.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when I'm in church and I'm following along with the minister, then King James or New King James is fine.
0: Yeah. I'm a bit of a uh, logophile. I really like uh, words. And it always makes me um, at least raise my eyebrows a little bit when someone says that they prefer the King James Version, and they can understand it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Because I know how much the English language has changed in the last um, over 400 years mm-hmm. since that translation was was uh, released. And I am pretty confident that most people, the greater majority of people, do not understand the King James Version when they think they do, because <laughs> the language has changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, even someone who who spends a lot of time in the, in the language of that time, in the English language of the 1600s, would still have to be careful in some places because of how much meanings of words and usages, idioms even, have changed over the course
1: of years. Back to, to why I use different translations, and we're not going to make this into a in-depth translation discussion. Maybe mm-hmm. if if the listeners want to have more of that sort of discussion, let us know. We can maybe put out an episode on that sometime. Sure. But you have the more literal or word-for-word. Word. So the translators go to the Greek and the Hebrew, and they they see a word. In the Hebrew, it says bird. Mm-hmm. And so in the English, they put bird. Mm-hmm. But then you have... Uh, That's kind of one side of the continuum. And over there, you have the King James. Uh, the NASB, the New American Standard, tends to be a pretty literal translation. Mm-hmm. And then the other end, you have thought for thought and that's that's more where you take a phrase uh, say in the Hebrew the bird flew over the house mm-hmm. and then you would translate that into English of course I, I can't say the bird flew over the house in Hebrew uh-huh. <laughs> but then you then translate that instead of word for word it might you know it, it might not be very easy to translate from mm-hmm. Hebrew to English that easily just because the grammar is very different. And so then you just say, the bird flew over the house. You don't go word for word. And the NIV is more more on the thought for thought Mm -hmm. type thing. Some people kind of disparage it for being less literal, less precise. That's something to to definitely consider, but it does make it easier to read. Mm -hmm. However, when I'm doing more in-depth study, where I want to be really precise about the meaning of different words and the order of words and that sort of thing, then i do go for a more literal word for word translation like new king james king james esv mm-hmm. uh, is one that tends to be more literal as well so it's it's uh, you don't use the same size of screwdriver for everything right or same size of wrench so for reading in the morning i usually will use a more thought for thought when i'm doing more in depth study studying for a devotional or that sort of thing i will use a more literal translation
0: and just to to give an example where we do that uh, in in modern times i have learned spanish to use in peru and you cannot translate a lot of times word for word from spanish to english because it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense for example in english we would say i am 33 years old in spanish you would say Tengo 33 años which means I have 33 years. <laughs> and so writing it word for word you can get the idea of what we're saying but it just doesn't feel right or sound right and you can lose the sense. Mm-hmm. That one's a pretty simple example but the the idioms the turns of phrases in a given language are not going to be apples to apples going to a different uh, different language speaking of idioms. Apples to apples, <laughs> yeah. I um I use a digital Bible a lot, and have enjoyed it. And I th- I'm not sure exactly when I got into using a digital Bible, but I think the reason I have settled there is because I have to switch between languages mm-hmm. so often, and it's just easier to have uh, a Spanish or an English. And then multiple translations all on the same all in the same device without having multiple books. I prefer not filling up your backpack with <laughs> Bibles. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, for example, even in Spanish, the the Catholic Church uses a different uh, setup and different even lineup of books in their Bible as compared to the Protestant Bible. And so, it's good to have those resources all in one easy to carry space. And so I tend, to have, I, I tend to read both personally and then in church settings or Bible studies from a digital Bible.
1: Yeah. I'm guessing maybe some of our listeners probably got the idea from our episodes a few, uh, a few episodes ago. We we're talking about technology, that we hate technology. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how can you be such a hypocrite to hate technology and yet read the Bible on electronic device.
0: Yeah, well, you'll have to go listen to that episode, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit about print versus digital. We talked about that, I think we maybe did, I can't remember, on one of our technology episodes, but do you do you feel like you can get everything from digital that you can from print, or do you feel like there's an advantage one way or the other?
0: The retention I'm I'm thinking that there are studies for this, and I didn't come come prepared with them. So maybe you don't have a study. In I know. Back <laughs> I'll, I will put some in the show notes. I promise. Um, uh, we've been very busy up here in the states, so that's my excuse. Okay. Um, but there are studies about retention, phys- in physical books versus digital, and I do know that retention is higher in physical books. So there are benefits to having something in your hand. The way that you're your brain, your eyes process information when you're holding the thing in your hand. Actually change, uh, turning pages with your fingers sticks better than if it's mm-hmm. on a screen. That is true. When I was first learning Spanish, I would listen to the Spanish Bible and read the Bible in English and hold hold that in my my hand. And that helped me learn the language. And then later I switched to holding a spanish bible in my hand while listening to spanish and i think doing that really helps cement how the words were even used in that language mm-hmm. and so there is benefit to, to holding it if i memorize the bible i don't do it on it on a digital device mm-hmm. i either print it off and and have it in a paper and to carry around the house or i use a physical bible uh, yeah, I guess it would depend on on the use case of when I would want a physical versus a
1: digital. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I mentioned earlier was the whole thing of reader's Bibles. Have you ever used a reader's Bible? When you say reader's Bible, I'm not sure what you mean. Is
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe tell it's me. It's one you read. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been reading all of these Bibles. So are you talking about where it looks more like story form mm-hmm. or a
1: paragraph form?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So the answer to that is, yes, I have, and I really
1: enjoy them. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Usually when we think of a Bible, we think of two columns, Mm -hmm. and then maybe down the middle or somewhere, maybe on the side, there are these cross-references. Right. And then usually you have each verse on a new line, Mm kind of a verse-by-verse format, and it makes it really easy to find the verse, to cross-reference, to jump back and forth. It makes it really easy for that. Sure. In the last little while... Well, I bought a Bible. I forget when it was, but I did have one that was set up where the verse numbers were inside of paragraphs, so it was split into paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It was harder to find the verse, but you knew in in our books the the start of a new paragraph means the topic has changed or you're transitioning right. to something else. Whereas if every line... You know, every verse is a new paragraph in a sense, mm-hmm. it makes it feel more split up and choppy. Mm-hmm. And and so I did some some looking online and I actually found a video, and we'll probably put that in the show notes, where it talks about Bible typography. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I never really thought about. But once I watched the video and did some other reading about it, it made perfect sense that What we think of as a Bible, the way the Bible is supposed to look like, that is a relatively recent invention. I think it was maybe in the 1100s or 1200s that they came up with chapter numbers, Mm -hmm. and it was about the 1500s that they came up with verse numbers.
0: So when Jesus read the Bible... Uh, in the synagogue, he did not have verse numbers? No, he did not
1: have verse numbers.
0: And like his sections of the Bible weren't in red? No, they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) How
1: did they even do this? How did they even do this? (laughs) So a reader's Bible oftentimes is a Bible that has a lot of that extra stuff stripped out of it. Mm -hmm. You don't have, some some don't even have any verse numbers or Mm -hmm. not even chapter numbers. Mm -hmm. They definitely don't have any cross-references, those little like ones, like superscript ones and A's and B's and right. all that. That's what the purpose of it is. The purpose of it is for reading. It's not for necessarily finding cross-references or jumping back and forth between Isaiah and the Gospels where Isaiah is being quoted. Mm-hmm. It was somewhat of an eye-opening experience for me to, to sit down and read from a reader's Bible instead of a standard, what you call a reference Bible, mm-hmm. which is where you have chapter and verse, and then all those cross-references. Mm-hmm. So you said you've read from a reader's Bible and you really like it. So what was your experience? How did you find out about it?
0: I don't remember how I found the first one, but I enjoyed the paragraph division because it put things into thoughts. I particularly enjoyed that they put a proper punctuation in, like quotes, for example. Yes, because that
1: is very helpful. There,
0: throughout the Old Testament, and when you have stories, it can be very difficult to figure out who is saying what to whom. And then when you come into the New Testament, to Paul's letters, Paul has incredibly long sentences mm-hmm. with long parenthetical insertions. And it's hard to figure out where does this thought begin and end.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: some wrong doctrines have been taught in churches simply by stopping at the wrong place or putting two thoughts together that don't really belong or not observing that there really should be a semicolon here or a colon or whatever. And so being able to see it grammatically correct is very pleasing to my brain, but it is also much easier to understand and mm-hmm. to keep the, flow, keep the flow of thought.
1: Yeah, I, I think the first time I ever really saw quotation marks in a Bible was when I picked up a New King James Version. Mm. Because the New King James... Most King James Bibles out there are verse by verse, mm-hmm. and they don't have quotation marks. Mm-hmm. You can tell when it's a new paragraph because it has that little paragraph mark. What is that called? Do you know?
0: Uh, I think it's just called paragraph mark.
1: Okay. I think there's a technical term for it, but oh. I can't remember what it well, is. I do not know
0: what the technical term is. <laughs> okay. But it's the backwards P.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's really the only way you can tell when it's a new paragraph. Mm-hmm. But then I went to a new King James Bible, and I think it was split into paragraphs, and there were quotation marks. And all of a sudden I could see who was speaking, Mm -hmm. especially when you get into the prophets, where the prophet, like I went into the synagogue and I spoke. And so you have these quotation marks and then I said this and this and this. And the Lord told me to say this. And Mm -hmm. then you have more quotation marks. So you like have quotation marks inside of quotation marks. Right. Inside of quotation marks. Right. And it's, it makes it easier to see who is saying what. That symbol,
0: that symbol is called a pilcrow.
1: Pilcrow. Okay. I don't think I knew that, yeah. but now we know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing that I've found that I really like is going with a single column Bible instead of a double column. It's mm-hmm. not as big of a deal as as getting rid of a lot of the verse numbers and chapter numbers, mm-hmm. but it is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it it just looks like a regular book, so mm-hmm. it makes it a little easier to read. The, the length of each line is more like what you would be used to in a standard book right instead of these really short lines so it's, it's just to me it's easier to read it doesn't look like as it looks more like a book that you want to read versus just a reference book like a dictionary
0: And like you were saying for the majority of world history God's word would have been in typical story or, or book form mm-hmm. They you know back way back in the day they would have been, On scrolls, but that's how all uh, stories were kept that were kept. Mm -hmm. But it's a a fairly new idea. And we think it's always been that way because it's just always been the way it has (laughs) in our life. And whatever happened before that, we don't know.
1: Yeah. Probably the most important thing or the thing that I like the most, whether it's single column, double column, verse numbers, chapter numbers, probably the thing that I would say that's helped me the most is going into paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Because when you... Split everything into each verse being a new paragraph Mm -hmm. that tends to make you look at each verse individually. Mm -hmm. And so you you look, you read verses, you don't read thoughts.
0: You're drilling down into smaller ideas and not the huge picture or the big picture.
1: Yeah, and it could be argued that that makes it easier for you to take verses out of context. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you have, it's like one thought, it's right there, it's a verse. Mm -hmm. And so you pluck that out. And tack that on to whatever pet idea that you have and right. use that to justify not seeing well the next verse actually gives some context that doesn't really support what your thesis is. <laughs> exactly. So that that's why I think Yeah, if any of you have a chance, I would highly recommend finding a Bible that is doesn't have to be single column. It doesn't have to have chapter and verse numbers taken out, but find one that has paragraphs instead mm-hmm. of verse by verse. Mm-hmm. And Reader's Bibles are really nice. You don't have to have them, but I really like mine. And and back to reading. So I've been reading from this Reader's Bible for a while now, probably the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And I've found that I read a lot more from the Reader's Bible than I do from a regular chapter, verse number Bible.
0: It doesn't feel as laborious to me to yeah. read mm-hmm. a paragraph uh a Bible that's set up in paragraphs, then verse by verse. I'm not sure why that is, but for me, I get fatigued when I'm like, I feel like a typewriter. You know, those <laughs> old typewriters. You come to the end of line and you bing, you come back and bing, and every time I do that, it takes some measure of starting over the thought, having to connect to whatever was going on before, and I somehow lose my place. Mm-hmm. But when it's there in a paragraph, also, if you're reading along and you're like, what? what is being said here because maybe you got distracted or something trying to figure out where do i need to restart to grab Mm -hmm. the thought can be difficult and seeing a paragraph there is very nice to be able to just oh just go back to the beginning of the paragraph catch this again and get the whole thought all over
1: sean i've talked a little bit about some of the bible translations that i use and the different purposes i use them for so are there any particular ones that you like that you use more often
0: Mm, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, I'm not even sure when I came across this idea of reading through the Bible, reading through the Bible in a year, and I had never done that before, because to me the Bible was a really hard book to read, and at, up to that point I'd only read in the King James Version, and didn't find it particularly easy or enjoyable to do. So someone suggested that why don't I try the reading through the Bible in a year in some other version? And I believe they gave me either the the NIV or the ESV, and I forget which was my first introduction to another translation. I enjoyed it so much that that year I read through the Bible two or three times using a couple different translations (laughs) because it was just so fun to read the Bible. Mm. And I think that year I did ESV, NIV and CEV, so that's English Standard Version, uh, Contemporary English Version, and the uh, uh, New International Version, that got me started on this idea that maybe I could read through the Bible in a different version every year, because there are a lot of versions (laughs) of the English Bible. And so I did that, and I think last count that I have is something like 15 or 16 versions that I've read through. Mm Mm-hmm. The last two versions I read through were both Spanish, so I have two favorites, uh, an English favorite and a Spanish favorite. Actually, I guess I've read through three Spanish translations, but my favorite English translation is the New Living Translation. That's my, my absolute favorite. It's modern English, but it is not so simple or basic as to feel... Uh, almost irreverent, mm-hmm. which the contemporary English version is so dumbed down <laughs> that I feel like I'm not even reading deep literature.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I like the new the New Living Translation for my my personal everyday reading. Uh, my favorite Spanish version is the. NVI, which is Nueva Versión Internacional, which is the NIV. Basically
1: just the NIV that's swapped right. with the letters.
0: So it came after the NIV, but it's based you know, heavily on the NIV, and it's a Spanish translation of mm. that. And the reason I prefer that over the Renavalera, which is very very popular in Spanish-speaking uh, churches, is the NVI is in modern Spanish language, the way mm. people on the streets in, in South America and Central America talk today. So I prefer I prefer to read God's Word in the language that I'm using every day, and the NLT and the NVI do that for both the languages that mm-hmm. I use.
1: Yeah, I have never read any amount from the from New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. And there's been multiple times that you've quoted verses from... Uh, the NLT. Mm-hmm. And it's been enough that I've kind of wondered if maybe I need to get my own copy of the NLT <laughs> and read through it and see if it's, yeah, compare it to the NIV. Because in some ways it feels like they're similar. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of like to compare the two and see which one I like mm-hmm. best. And maybe maybe for my daily reading Bible, I'll have to switch over to the NLT as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so every year I do choose a different translation and I've been thinking about the last three years, I've used Spanish, and this next year, I'm trying to decide, will I use a Spanish version, or will I use an English version for my um, what I would call my daily Bible reading? So, it's different from family devotions, or from church, or from other stuff. That's just my, my own reading. So, I'll ask the listeners, if you have a favorite translation, you should send us an email and let me know, that way I could give it a try. Maybe you have a one that you just came through or are going through now, and try to sell me on it. What do you like about it? And I might like, give it a try and let you know what I think.
1: Earlier I was talking about the tendency for our Bible reading to turn into just kind of a mechanical going through the motions. Mm-hmm. You know, when we read the Bible, we don't want it to just be where we look at the words, we scan over the words, almost none of the meaning sinks into our brain becomes rote. Yeah. And we're done. We've, we've checked off our task for the day. Let's move on. (laughs) Yeah. So what are some methods that you use to get more out of your Bible reading? Well, I think for me, one of the
0: methods that has made a big difference is using a different translation every year. Mm -hmm. So that has opened up no matter which translation I go into say, in a church service or whatever, I have all these others running around in the back of my mind that are coming together and saying, this is the way it says over there, and this is the way it says over there. And so it feels like it's alive, like there are a lot of a lot of voices that are sharing different ways of looking at the same thought. And so I really enjoy that, where Bible reading, Bible study becomes fairly active. Using a program that follows a particular... A particular concept. For example, I went through a devotional on prayer. Mm -hmm. And that, well, I shouldn't say a devotional. It it was a a Bible reading program on prayer. And so just went through the Bible, looking at people who had prayed, also passages about how to pray, and Mm -hmm. so on. And so that can also be really enjoyable for me where you're stripping away other stuff and just focusing on a very specific topic or or idea reading with other people is probably the best way uh, is that true i think it is a really good way for me anyway to be more focused mm-hmm. if i'm reading alone in the morning the sun's just coming up and <laughs> i am struggling to stay awake because i haven't got enough coffee into me then it can be hard for me to focus but if if my wife is sitting beside me or i'm reading aloud to my children something changes to where it I become a bit more focused and get more out of it that way. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I haven't done in some years is reading and writing. So reading only very little and writing as I read what, what I'm getting out of it, kind of a stream of consciousness sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that I've done. You what, what have you,
1: what have you found to be helpful? Yeah. The last thing you mentioned is something that I, that I've done some of, mm-hmm. um, I've kind of gotten out of it the last month or so, but the whole month of June, when we were doing our digital declutter, I was doing kind of a Bible journaling, which I just have this little notebook. Mm -hmm. It's really small. And my goal was to basically fill up one page per day with Mm -hmm. just some thoughts. And so I would read through, usually I was just reading through one chapter. So I I could look at one chapter and just read through a few things that it said and pull out whatever the most important points are. Sometimes I would be challenged by something that I read, and mm-hmm. I would just write a prayer. Mm-hmm. Lord, help me to right. do this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be helpful, and it's something I like to get back into. I haven't done it yet, but mm-hmm. I'm enjoying my reader's Bible, and so that allows me to read like four five, six, seven <laughs> chapters in a day.
0: Well, that's one question I have. I'll let you keep going with what other things you do with your Bible reading, but I'm curious how long, um, how long do you read maybe, and also— how, You've read through the Bible in a year or less, I think you've said. I'm not sure. How long does it take to read the Bible?
1: I usually read about 15 to 20 minutes a day, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, a time of, of prayer and meditation after that. I've never read through the Bible faster than in one year. Mm-hmm. I would like to maybe do that sometime because reading through it in a year was really relatively easy. There was other times that I tried to do it when I was younger and less disciplined, and I wasn't able to do it. But then last year, it really was not a problem at all. And I do know there's some people that read through the Bible in 30 days or 90 days, Mm -hmm. and I think it's doable. Um, I mean, I can read through, just recently I read through two books that were both about four to five hundred pages, and I read through both of them in right around a week. You're saying not books of the Bible,
0: but just like... Yeah, yeah.
1: just like novels. Mm -hmm. And... yeah. I was just totally sucked into these, to the plots and the characters and just read, you know, maybe a thousand, close to a thousand pages in one, one week. Mm-hmm. But then it takes me an entire year to read through the Bible and I wish it would not be that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think that I could read through it a lot quicker than I have. Mm-hmm. And I also, I mean, you don't want to, to try to cover the Bible as fast as you can just to say that you did. Right. But there is something to be said for reading large chunks of the Bible Mm-hmm. So you get the narrative flow and the events rather than exactly a little yeah. bit here, a little bit there. Especially if you break it up by chapters, sometimes those chapters are not lined up with how the um, the thoughts are divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just reading through either First or Second Corinthians. Oh, it was First uh, Corinthians eleven. If you look at a Bible that's set into paragraphs, sometimes they will take the last verse of chapter 10 and have it be part of, sorry, the first verse of chapter 11 mm-hmm. and actually have it be part of the previous because it, right. was, it was part of that, like the paragraph for the chapter division wasn't done at the end of the thought. Mm-hmm. That's why I really like a reader's Bible is because it uh, allows you to read more and it's not broken up by these kind of man's divisions.
0: Right. I think they say that it takes around 70 hours to read the bible aloud. So mm-hmm. if you would read the whole thing out loud it would take 70 hours. So that's a fairly slow rate of reading most people would would consider there are slower readers, but that's, you know, a bottom end speed of reading. A lot of people could read it uh, more quickly, but if you would read the bible for 1 hour a day, which A lot of us may feel like we don't have an hour a day to read the Bible but then maybe we have to give up some of our other reading (laughs) and stuff to do Mm -hmm. you could get through the Bible in over four times uh, in a year so one time each quarter but like you were saying what are we trying to do what is that in service of so just saying yay I read the Bible I get a sticker isn't useful but trying to get out of your Bible reading something that you can can take with it reading in big chunks is great there are a lot of short books in the Bible, mm-hmm. and reading them at one sitting is not that difficult to do, and you can get a lot more out of it because it's just one one big thought. Reading it in a reader's Bible or in paragraph form will be uh, much, much better for that that feel. But for example, 3 John is only 219 words, so it's <laughs> like two and a half minutes. It's like two sentences. Right. So there are... I don't know. There are over a dozen books that it would take less than ten minutes to read. Mm-hmm. Some of those are Old Testament um, prophets. A lot of them are New Testament books. And in fact, there are enough small books in the Bible that you could memorize an entire book without tremendous difficulty if you're mm-hmm. able to memorize it all. So reading reading a book in one sitting, if that's something that you can do uh, with other types of books, is a great thing to do with Bible books too. If you want to get more out of it in a different way. So I interrupted you with what you were saying about your methods or like, what do you do to get more out of your Bible reading? Did you have some other, some other things that you do?
1: I haven't experimented a lot. I've done a number of things where, yeah, like I said, I'll read one chapter and really meditate on that. And then I'll sometimes read large chunks of the Bible. Um, So those are some things that I've done. Of course, journaling those of all things that, I've, that have helped me. And, of course, just in-depth Bible study is good sometimes, but that's difficult to do every single day to really really delve into a section of Scripture.
0: What do you mean by in-depth Bible study? What does that look like for you?
1: Reading over a chapter or a passage several times, going through maybe even, there's one particular Bible that I have that I use uh, that I've given myself permission to write in. Oh. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll circle or underline certain words like verbs or commands, mm-hmm. then I can see, okay, this is who the writer is speaking to. Mm-hmm. This is what he's telling them to do. And just kind of finding common themes or threads through the Bible that way.
0: So treating it more like you're in a college or high school literature class and mm-hmm. trying to yeah mm-hmm. really get into yeah. what the writer was doing. Hmm, that's interesting. I have never written in a Bible in my life. What? To my knowledge. Really? I do not write in my, my books, period. I feel like <laughs> I, I know that <laughs> I know that that shouldn't be a thing. And who is it? Anne Fadiman is a huge proponent of writing in books. All books, marginalia. Yeah, <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Uh, marginalia. So. I've never marginalia. said that. I've never said that out loud, but that sounds right. Yeah. But I just can't bring myself to write in books. They're just too special to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I when I get a little more mature, I'll be able to do that.
1: When I was younger, I had a friend who wrote in his Bibles, and I was dumbstruck <laughs> that anybody would do such a heretical thing. Right. And now I don't there's certain bibles that are nice enough that I don't really want to write in them
2: mm-hmm.
1: or I don't necessarily want to write in my reader's bible because it's for reading it's not really for study per mm-hmm. se but I do have this one bible it's an ESV and it's got nice wide margins mm-hmm. and so it makes it a lot easier to just go in and mark it up I've even used different color highlighters <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like the idea of when I die, that I would have a Bible that would be written in, that would have my thoughts about particular passages or how that something blessed me or something I learned or how it compares to some experience in life or something. You hear about people who mm-hmm. who write, you know, thoughts in the margins of their Bibles mm-hmm. and then be able to pass that on to my children or my grandchildren. Yeah. Or they can,
1: to- they can look through your Bible after you're dead and read the verses at your funeral. <laughs> right, exactly. Or... Or they can read through your Bible and see that you're promoting heresy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say So it's, not. it's somewhat of a double-edged sword, <laughs>
0: right? I think reading. Well, this is one problem of reading through digital Bibles is you can't see that they're worn and like, was he even reading the Bible because, <laughs> you know, his tablet doesn't look any worse for the wear. <laughs> um, so maybe I do need to switch over to a uh, print Bible just so it looks like I'm getting my Bible reading in. That should wrap it up for this time. We've put out a few episodes back-to-back recently, and it looks like some of you haven't yet had time to catch up, but we wanted to make up for lost time when we hadn't been able to record before. We enjoy hearing from you even a while after an episode is released. We put these episodes out into the world and move forward, but you share them with friends who come to them sometime later, and they have thoughts, and I think that's pretty neat. Like one email we received regarding episode 9... He says, recently I was informed that you two had put out several podcasts together. I listened to two of them and I was very blessed. I wanted to comment specifically on the one you did regarding social media. I appreciated your balanced viewpoints in approaching this big subject. I also appreciated that both of you are willing to admit your own personal struggles that you have experienced in the past. I was challenged with Sean's thoughts comparing this world's response to a virus with the church's response to evil. The world has been willing to do without many of the things that they held in the highest regard in order to protect their physical well-being. How much more should we not be willing to inconvenience ourselves in order to save our spiritual well-being? That's a powerful thought. James and I are now headed out to record our patron-only podcast for what it's worth. This week we will be talking about the mysterious forces that make water spin one way or another depending on which side of the equator you live. You can find that at patreon.com lookingoverlife. If any of you have an idea you want to share or a correction like Zach or some encouragement or whatever, you can email us at lookingoverlife at gmail.com. All right. See you later. Ciao.